I wanted to do this for you. I could have put this in my notes, but I wanted to prove to you that I'm still intelligent. And I've kept up with what's happening in the world. And I, I'm now going to give you a definition. It could have, it's not on the notes. We'll get to the notes in a moment. But the word that I want you to understand this morning is legacy. And I wanted Siri to give it to you so you young people would know that I'm intelligent enough to stay with you. Legacy is two things. First, it's an amount of money or property left to someone in a will. I had that. My grandmother, when she passed away, she had five children. My mother had passed before her, and my mother had three children. So I got one-third of one-fifth of my grandmother's legacy. It was $139. So my grandmother left us well-fixed. And we appreciated that. Here's the other meaning of legacy. It's the long-lasting impact of particular events, of actions that took place in the past or of a person's life. That's the legacy I want to speak to you about. Let me read it again. It's the long-lasting impact of particular events or actions that take place in a person's life. Those events that change that person's life changes everything around them. I'm going to speak to you for the next few moments about eternal legacy. The things that happen in our life that have an impact that a million years from now will still be having an impact that make a difference today, that make a difference tomorrow, that make a difference 100 years from now. It's called eternal legacy. There are certain actions that determine that. And what I want to challenge you to do, and when we close the service, we will pray with each other to be able to do this, is to remember the single most important thing you can do in your life is to leave an eternal legacy. And you do that by the way you live, by who you know, by the way you act, by what you do, by what you don't do, and you are leaving that eternal legacy every moment of every hour of every day. And we're going to talk about that as we go a little further. Now, so far, I've not even given you a title. This is the title of the message, Sin's Deceitfulness Will Not Cost Me My Legacy. Now, in a few moments, I'm going to get back to the heart of the message, which is about legacy and how it's eternal. But before I go there, I want to give you a biblical warning about danger to your legacy. Now, let's make sure we understand this. So let me give you just a little illustration. I thought about this a long time last night. Last night, I had the privilege to have a wonderful meal with your pastors whom I have known uh, I've known Patty, and I checked with her mother to be sure of this this morning, since she was about 10 or 11 months old. When she was a baby, I went to their home. I had a prayer with their family. I prayed with her dad. He received the Lord. Don, if you remember that experience, one of the things that was so, so special about Don's experience was we finished praying. I asked him if he felt any different. He said he didn't feel anything different. You remember that? Several weeks passed. I encouraged him as he continued to come to church. I encouraged him every time I would see him for the next few weeks. And the day came when he said, yes, I now feel different. 
God has touched me. I know I'm saved. And, and are you following that? Now go back all the way all of those years. It's a little over 50 years. That day, that man was creating a legacy that would be eternal. You need to understand this. This is the heart of where we're going. Now, here's Hebrews chapter 313, because I, I got to give you a little time to give you a warning before I take you back to the legacy. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Let's just kind of pause there, and let me just remind you, many of you made it a point. I didn't know anybody skipped the pastor to hug me this morning, but I want to encourage you to keep that up. That's a, that's a good idea. I can remind him that I'm still loved even though I can't hear and I'm moving slow. Exhort one another daily. That's the challenge. Lest any of you, and notice it says any of you, this is not written to people who don't know Christ. This isn't written to the man that Don Stevenson was before that morning. This is written to the Christian. This is written, Brower, I loved the way you shared up here, son. You touched me. You blessed me. I thank you for just the spirit that's in your heart. This is written for people like Brower. This is written for every, here's what it says, okay? While it's called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Here's the plan of Satan. He doesn't want you to have an eternal legacy that's good. He wants you eternally lost. He wants you broken. He hates your family. He wants to destroy everything that's important to you. So he uses the deceitfulness of sin. What the deceitfulness of sin does is it causes us to doubt the goodness of God. It causes us to question, does God really love me? Let me give you the, the scriptural example. Remember the book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1? God dealing with Eve and the first sin, the sin that separates all of us from God, is about to take place. And Satan, if you remember, asked her two questions. Here was the first question. He said to her, God, did God really say, Satan's talking to her, did God really say what God want you to understand what Satan doesn't want you to understand is that everything God said he meant. And if we will listen to what he said and react according to the way we would if we respect his words, we will always be blessed. But the deceitfulness of sin causes us to doubt that God really meant what he said. For instance, I'm counseling a couple right now about getting married. One of the difficulties I've had is they have been living together for several years. How do I help them? Now they've found Christ. They're serving God. They want to get married. They want a biblical marriage. The problem is very, very difficult because the deceitfulness of sin has captured them and hardened their hearts. And at some point, they decided it's okay for us to live together. We know what the Bible says, but you are questioning. You don't think that through in your mind and heart. You'd say to yourself, yeah, I know God's word, and I know God always speaks the truth, and I know I should listen. That's the first thing. Here was the second question. He said, he, it really wasn't a question. He, he went on to say, well, you won't surely die. 
That couple said to me the first time I talked to them when I said, why did you do this? Why did you decide to live together? You both agree that it's not the right thing to do. You both agree, and they're nodding their heads, yes. You both agree that this is not pleasing to God. Why did you do it? Well, we had some financial problems that made it easier. Our schedules were difficult. We knew we were going to get married anyway. We made pledges to each other. You see what they're doing? The deceitfulness of sin is causing them to do things that are at the very least very displeasing to God and at the most terribly sinful and causing future problems you cannot even imagine. Now, I want you to understand that's, that is what happens. You always swallow a lie about God before you swallow the deceitfulness of sin. It never reverses, not for Christians, because God loves you. He always reminds you of his word. He always tells you what is right. He always does his part. So until you swallow the lie of Satan, you can't be deceived. And the deceitfulness of sin, remember where we're really going with this. I'm not talking about the immediate problem of it. Where we're going with this is the deceitfulness of sin can cost you your eternal legacy. What I saw today in Broward, what I saw in Anita, what I saw in your pastors 50 years after I was at their home, the deceitfulness of sin would have destroyed all of that if Satan were able to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Stay with me, okay? It's still the same. If we really believe God loved us and his goodness for us and his word, we would not fall for sin's deceitfulness. The couples that I'm counseling with now would either marry sooner or they would not have moved in together and they would be getting married now, except that sin deceived them. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. And I'm certainly not trying to just give you pie in the sky. I want you to understand sin is deceitful. And what it will cost you is your legacy. I have dealt with couples who have been married for years and haven't really married and have children. They have no idea what they're doing to their future legacy. None. They don't begin to grasp the hurt, the pain, the difficulty that's being caused. One of the remedies to unbelief and the deceitfulness of sin is community. Stay with me. Look at me. Make sure you're following that. How many of you would say, with all of my heart, Pastor Moore, I don't want to be deceived by sin and I want to overcome it? Just kind of hold up your hand. All right. It's almost every hand in the room. Here's one of the things that make it happen. You've got to be in the house of God. We need the community. Let me tell you one of the reasons your pastors have done so well. They've surrounded themselves with people who love God. They've stayed in community their whole lives. I understand what happens in churches. I pastored three churches. I have some involvement with several of you in this room in different times. I understand the difficulty. I know the pain of pastoring a church. I know the things that can happen. I know how you can get hurt in church. I know how, but I'm just telling you, listen carefully. If you want to overcome the deceitfulness of sin, you understand what I just said? If you want an eternal legacy, you need the people in the house of God, as imperfect as we may be, as wrong as we may do it sometimes, as, can I put it this way, as sinful sometimes as we might be, come back to the house of God, find a pastor that loves you, find some people that love God, and do life with them. 
you will protect yourself from the deceitfulness of sin. But if you try to do it by yourself, if you try, God never intended for it to be that way. Are you following? I want you to defeat the deceitfulness of sin. Now, here's Hebrews 10, 23, and then I'm going to take you back to the subject I want to carry you to. Let us hold fast to profession of our faith. That very statement says this is not easy. If you think it's easy to be a Christian, you haven't been a Christian very long. You have to hold fast. I made a profession. I meant it. By the grace of God, I'll mean it tomorrow. By the grace of God, if I've done wrong, I'll repent and ask forgiveness, and God will forgive me, and I'll continue to serve him. There's not a person in this room who served God for any more than a few days probably that you didn't have to hold fast to your profession without wavering. Why? <clears throat> because he is faithful that promised. And let us consider, here it is again, one another to provoke each other to good works. Let's make up our mind we're going to serve God together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now let's go back to the subject. Uh, when I put the message together, that part of the message wasn't there. When I first put the message together, what I'm about to begin with now is called legacy, where my life lives on. But I know the Holy Spirit led me. I believe with all my heart he led me to open it with that. There are some in this room, and you are being deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. When we close the service, in fact, right now, right where you're sitting, I want all of you to join me, and I want to ask Christ to forgive me of any sin in my life. And I don't want to be deceived by sin. Are you following me? Let's pray it together as I lead you. You pray for yourself as I pray for me. Father, right now, I ask you to forgive me of any sin in my life. I walk away from it. I turn it around, Lord Jesus. By, the, by your grace and by your help, I will not sin. Do not let me, Lord, hold on to any kind of sin. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be pure in mind, pure in heart, pure in body, pure in spirit, and pure before you. I thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus washing all my sin away, and by your grace I am not deceived. Now let's go to legacy where my life lives on, John chapter 15, verse 16. I love this. Watch what it says. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I don't understand that. Oh, I understand what it says. I don't understand how it happens. Let me remind you of a little, little glimpse of something that some of you know, but I haven't told it in a long time for those of you who have heard it, and some of you certainly have. But I'm, I'm saved out of a home that my father's an alcoholic, my stepfather was al almost an alcoholic, and my family on both sides, it was just littered with sin. And when I'm short, long story short, when I'm 12 years old, God comes and finds me, saves me, literally saves me and sets me apart from sin and puts me in a community, in a Bible-believing church where the power of God is, puts me in a youth group, gives me a great youth leader, gives me a place to go, and God does a miracle in my life. I didn't choose him. He chose me. You follow? You didn't choose God. He chose you. If you have any desire to serve God today, that's God talking to you. Now, he didn't just choose you. Look at the next part. He appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. We'll talk about that that will last. God didn't just save you for you. He wants you to be fruit-bearing.
He wants you to make a difference. God saved me so Brower could be saved, so one day God could use Brower to save people that I'll never meet in my entire life. Long after I'm in heaven, if Jesus tarries is coming, Brower will still be leading people to Christ. Why? Because he was chosen, he was called, he was appointed, and he's supposed to be fruitful. Now, follow the next phrase. It's important. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father in heaven will give you. That phrase is so often misused. That has nothing to do with, okay, you want another car? Pray for another car. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that's not what that verse is about. That verse is saying if you are fruitful, are you listening to Pastor Moore? If you are fruitful, oh, by the way, I'm, uh, I'm not Pastor Moore anymore. I'm just Grandpa, and I, I like that better. Being a pastor is hard work. I can, I can just tell you, but okay, so now back to the deal. So that whatever you ask in, my, in the Father in my name, he will give it to you. God has decided to bless you when you are fruitful. You following? When Drew is standing up here, and I've, and I've now been in several services where Drew was involved in the worship. I've talked to him a little bit. I don't know him real well, but this is the idea I get. This is what I think. I believe he loves God with all of his heart. And I believe tomorrow when he's out in the real estate business and he's rubbing shoulders with people that could care less about God and he's tempted in a situation over here to do this or to do that or whatever, and uh, I know just a little bit about it, just enough to know what the temptations can be. I believe with all of my heart that he stands true to the living God and he lives the life that he acts like he's living here before you. So when he, are you following me? So when he asks anything in the Father's name, that little boy that he talked about is going to be blessed in a special way by the touch of God because that dad has been called and chosen and appointed and he's fruitful. And God says, I'm going to bless his life. Now, are you following me? So that eternal legacy is being created. All those years ago, almost 50 years ago, when I was in the Stevenson's home and that dad accepted Christ, he started a blessing. Today, he has a grandson. Are, are you following this? Everything that you do, God says, I'm going to make you fruitful. Now, let's look at three considerations of a fruitful life, of a life of legacy. Okay? Number one, relationships. Who and what will I commit to relationally? I talked to a couple of people today that, that came in that, that I hadn't seen them for a while. I asked pastors as many people names as I could yesterday so I could try to remember. I tried to get it all, get it right and everything. And, okay. and, and, and as the people came in, I talked to several of them. And, and when I saw them, I remembered. I didn't remember until I saw them and we talked for a moment. Something God had done something that was special in their life. One or two people told me about something God had done, and I didn't even remember that's what God did, but it made an impact in their life. Are you following this? Now, the reason for that is I understand, and I want you to understand the first principle in eternal legacy, and that is who you're going to do life with and how you're going to do life the first principle even above that in relationship is I have a genuine relationship with the Father God. I have a genuine relationship with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit relates to me every moment, every hour, every day. I talk to him. He talks to me. The greater that relationship is and you're committed to it, then the more 
powerful your eternal legacy is going to be. And that's the only legacy that matters. I have a little house, and, and uh, most of you know, um, I just have one. I just have one child, so we don't have a lot of, of worry about how we're, you know, who gets what and everything. And I have this house, and it's it's a pretty nice house. And um, if Jesus tarries is coming, and nothing happens, you know, and uh, um, I almost said President Biden. I did say President Biden uh, doesn't mess things up. If we can get everything politically together, it all stays together. One day, if I live until I go to heaven and Jesus comes after that, Angela will get my house. Pretty nice house. I don't know what she'll do with it, She's, but she'll get my house. It means nothing, absolutely nothing. If she didn't get it, it doesn't matter. One thing matters, the relation she has with Christ and whatever I've done to make that eternally stronger so not only I'm more fruitful, she's more fruitful. And the first key to that is my relationship to God. Are you following this? And then my relationship with you and with other people that will make Drew's son the man God wants him to be. Did you hear what I just said? That's powerful understanding to come to. Hold up your hand, Pastor. There's a man that Drew wants to have an influence on his son. Are you following? That's the reason. That man may make the difference in his son growing up to be like Brower and standing here and worshiping God or being out in the world and we're praying for him and wish he'd come to Christ. Relationally, that's the first one. Here's the second one. Impact. The question of impact follows the question of relationship. What from my life will show up in heaven? Here's 2 Corinthians 3.12. If any man builds on this foundation using the foundation of Christ, using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, that word day, if you'll notice, is capitalized. And it's capitalized because it's talking about the judgment day. It's a special day. The day will bring it to light, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. So here's what's going to happen. Every person in this room who's a Christian, we're not talking about the unbelievers, they're going to stand before God, and the works that they have done are going to be tried by God himself, and they are going to be blessed for the works that have eternal value and they will have no value for the works that don't. Now, why is it important to understand that? Because if you think it through for even a moment, you want to have an impact in eternity that changes the lives of other people, and that's what God is after. God could care less how much money you make. He doesn't care if it's a lot. He doesn't care if it's a little. He will take care of you if you love him. He cares totally the impact you make for his kingdom. Beginning with, are you following me? Hold up your hand if you're following me. Beginning with the people that are most important to you. So the impact I make on my Naomi is far more important to God than I can ever imagine. And I want that impact to have eternal value so that it changes her life and mine so when we stand before God, our works are not burned up 
but we are blessed by God himself for the value that we gave to him. Does that make sense? So that impact changes everything. He's chosen us, he's ordained us, and he wants us to produce fruit for eternity. Here's a third one, and, I'm clo and I'll close. It's God himself. That's the third consideration. What is God asking to me, say to me personally? Please try, if you haven't been paying attention to me for the last few minutes, try to listen for the next few. God is talking to you. I know he is. That's who he is. That's how he works. I now have eight great-grandchildren. The oldest one is only six. My grandchildren got busy fast, and they, they've given us eight. The oldest is six years old, and he's just six a month ago, and about two months ago, he asked Christ to come into his heart at his mom's house, and his mom led him to the Lord, and a couple of weeks later, my son-in-law baptized him in water. He's six years old. I want you to ask this question. What is God saying to me today that will have an eternal impact on my life and the lives of everyone I love? Not to mention the lives of people that are just around me that I haven't even met yet. We're going to pray in three areas. I'm going to ask you three questions about God speaking to you personally. Number one, what is God saying to you about your time? How do you spend your time? After 50 years of ministry and preparing messages every week and on and on and on, here's what I've learned. Today, listen carefully, sit up straight, get this. Today, it's more important for me to do my personal time with God than it's ever been. Do you hear what I said? I don't have a job I have to go to. I don't have to face different things. There's no pornography in my home. There's no, uh, you would think now it's just kind of easy street and I just kind of, no, I need my time with God every day. And I want to challenge you, give some time to God, do it every day, get into his word, go through his word. That will change your eternal legacy. You hear what I said? If you'll spend time with God every day, just start. If you don't already do it regularly, start with 15 minutes. And then develop this habit. Talk to the Holy Spirit all the time. I will talk to the Holy Spirit. It's about uh, three hours and 18 minutes from here to my house. I'll talk to the Holy Spirit much of that time. I'll thank him for this service. I'll thank him for some of you. I'll say a word of prayer first. I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm not... I'm just telling you, learn to talk to the Holy Spirit all the time. So first, we're going to pray about our time. Secondly, we're going to pray about our talent. What do I have that I can use for God? I was greeted by some wonderful people today who have the talent to be friendly, and they know how to put others first. Use that talent. Use that for God. Doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Start today. I watch, I watch Patsy over there at the, at the table helping people. She has that talent. She's had it all her life. Use that for God. Don't just use it for yourself. Don't just use it for the world. Use it for God. Ask God, how can I give you my talent? 
How can I serve at Move Church? How can I make a difference in the body of Christ? And the third one that we'll pray is, how can I give my treasure? How can I put God first, not just in my tithe, but in offering, in missions, in, in serving God? I love what Move Church is doing for Christmas and what you're doing for other people. And if you will, now, I'm almost finished. Stay with me. I promise you, listen carefully. This is important. If you give your time, if you give your talent, if you give your treasure, God will put a special blessing on the people you love. Do you hear what I just said? It may be the most important thing I've said all morning. God wants to bless. God wants to bless Drew's grandson. And when he sees that father and he sees those grandparents and he sees that they are giving him their time, talent, and treasure, God says, I'm going to do something special for that little boy. And God can do something special for anybody he wants to, anytime he wants to. Am I right? Jesus did it all the time. He's going along. He's doing whatever. And all of a sudden, he stops and he heals this one. Right? You can't figure out why. Oh, the only one that knows is God. But I do know this. If you give him those three things, he will bless those you love. Now do you see where the message is going? And you will have an eternal legacy that you cannot imagine, that you will love, that God helped you to have. Bow your heads with me. Pastor, I didn't ask you this question, and I should have. Do you have a praise team that comes forward? Okay, let's have all the worship team come back or Drew or however we do that. Stand with me. Let's get, I've tried to think through how to do this, and I had a little short talk with, with Pastor last night. And I, I didn't get into it in detail. I've tried to think how the Lord would have us do this. Let's get, would it, would it be okay? I, I guess I'm up here. Whatever I do has to be okay. Or, and the worst that can happen, he just won't ask me back. So I want the spiritual leaders, beginning with the pastor, elders, trustees. I want you, if you're here, and your wives to come forward. Can you do that? You, pastor, you get in the center. You get in the center. Okay, let's, uh, let's get a... I don't know how to ask this. I need another... Half a dozen people. Y'all are elders. I'd like that. I need another half a dozen. Some of who? Some of the coaches. Coaches come forward. That's good. Come on. Just kind of. You did good. I love watching you. Kind of. Some of you go on this side. Y'all stay in the middle. I want the pastor in the middle. Here's what I want. I, I, 
I want the touch of God that's on their lives to be on all of yours. And I want to invite you forward for these three things. To pray that God would help you. Everybody here, beginning with me, we need, we need help in one of those three areas consistently. Sometimes my time gets out of whack and I get, sometimes it's my talent and I don't give. And sometimes I, I can be selfish with my treasure. I just, so I want us to come forward and I want us to ask God to not only continue a spiritual blessing on these families, but to give a spiritual blessing that's eternal to everyone I love and start with me today. Can you do that? Y'all can turn and face them. Come and let someone pray with you, okay? Drew, sing something for us and just, just love on the Lord a little bit. I love you today, Jesus. Come on. Y'all, come on. Y'all are just, uh, y y I don't know if y'all, I guess y'all don't usually do this. Come pray with these people. Come let them pray with you. I don't want to have to come get you. There you go. Come let them pray with you. You want the touch of God on your, come here. Get down here and let some of these people pray for you. Brett, 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 get down here and let somebody pray for you. Come on, pray. Let's love on Jesus. Everybody out there, reach out your hand and let's just love on Jesus and let the love of God fill this place. Lord, we love you today. I thank you, God. God, you're working a miracle in this life. God, I thank you for the miracle of the Holy Spirit. May the glory of God rest on this servant. God, I thank you for the touch of God. God, I praise you for what you're doing. God, I thank you, Lord, because you answer prayer. You give us miracles and you're working, God. I praise you for that, Jesus.